Local and national sports talk that's fresh, in season, and FDA approved. If it's hot, you'll find it cooking. Mm, delicious. They don't just stir the pot. They add more flavor than the other guys. Yum, yum, yum. Get ready to dig in and taste some sports skillet. You know what I'm tasting? No, I taste victory. Welcome to the Friday live stream of the Sports Skillet Radio Show. Thank you for joining us. We want to encourage you to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any of our great content here on YouTube. Also, like, follow, and share on our other social media sites, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Hit us up on sportskillerradio.com so you can hear, hear, hear and see all the great stuff we have on the website. We got great articles by Mike and Joe as well on there. You get our Twitter feed with all the great sports news and show and our opinions and everything. You can also go in there, download our app so you get our show every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Lots of great things happen. Lots of great things popping here on the Sports Skillet Radio Show. Thank you so much. We appreciate you taking time out and listening to our Friday live stream. Lots of good stuff to go over with you. I'm going to start with the Mets because we got Mike here with us. And uh, basically what's going on is the bids have been submitted to the Will Ponds. Now the Will Ponds and their bidding agent get to look them over, ask any questions that they got, see what the prices are that they've been offered for the team. If uh, there were other offers in there for maybe SNY, see what is going on with the bidding teams. And we've got some interesting bidding teams that have submitted bids, apparently. Steve Cohen is back in the mix. We've got I Josh. I think he'd be back. Yes. We've got Josh yeah. Howard. Hold on, Mike. Hold on, Mike. Hold on. Oh, oh, oh sorry. Hold sorry. on. Uh, we've got Steve Cohen, we got Josh Harris, and David Blitzer, who have a minority stake in the Pittsburgh Steelers. They also own the Philadelphia 76ers, New Jersey Devils, so they're trying to add to their sports portfolio there. And, of course, we've got Alex Rodriguez, Jennifer Lopez, uh, Vinny Viola, who's the owner of the Florida Panthers, and Mike Rapole who uh, co-owns Vitamin Water. Uh, there may be another bidder or two out there that we haven't heard of that's going into round two. So uh, those are the owners. I'm going to go to you, Mike. Who would you, out of all those bidders, would it be Other? Would it be Cohen? Would it be Josh Harris? Would it be the A-Rod and Jennifer Lopez team? Who would you like to see? come out on top in this bidding war for the New York Mets. Steve Cohen, he's definitely got the bang for it. He's definitely got an idea for how he wants to run the team. And with his wealth from his hedge fund managing, I think he can turn the Mets back into a contender, back into the respectable franchise that they once were before the Wilpons got involved. I yep. think he can bring back the glory days of 86, 2000, 07. He can bring them back. Very possibly. And he's also a minority, co a minority owner of the Mets already. So he knows a lot of the inner workings about what's been going on, 
the personnel, things like that. So it would be a natural transition for him to own the mess. He would just get more of the ownership stake and he would be the primary decision maker instead of the Wilpons. Yeah, he'd get more power. Yep. He would get more of the decision-making power. He would get more of the power to choose his personnel. And he'd be at the winter meeting looking over potential free agents, deciding yep. over potential trades. Yep. He'd be the one to spread his wealth, get our f- potential free agents re-signed. Yep. What do you think, Joe, out of that ownership uh... – pool people that are putting in there who would you like to see come out on top well judging by what i've been seeing on twitter the last two days it's definitely got to be steve cohen and i think most mets fans want him to buy the team um you know it would be great it'd be great for them you know like mike said to make them more of a respectable organization even though they're starting to get back to that point but um they're not even that far away from being a contender. They could have been a – they're still a contender now. And from being a legitimate World Series team, they're probably a few good bull pe- bullpen pieces away from doing so. So, And I think Steve Cohen could get them there. I think so. He's yeah. the chosen one. I think so, too. And here's the thing that also goes into it is not only do the Mets have to accept choose and accept whatever offer they're going to be getting from the team. The other side of it that probably plays into it as well is whoever they decide on has to be approved by the other owners in Major League Baseball as well. Like they can approve a bid, but if the person is turned down by the other owners, then they have to go back and, and choose another ownership group. And that's where I think going into uh, next year's offseason, I'm talking about after the 2021 baseball season, the collective bargaining agreement expires. And that could kind of play into the sale as well because the other owners are probably going to want somebody that will stick by them, that will not be an outlier, that you know may not be putting out their things that – might be contrary to their bargaining position with the Players Association. So that might play into this as well. Uh, They want a united – they want to get as much of a united front as you can get in Major League – within the ownership of Major League Baseball. And that's where I think um, that that A-Rod and J-Lo ownership group may fall short is because they have – a lot of hands in the pie there. I mean, you're talking about A-Rod, you're talking about J-Lo, you're talking about Vinny Viola, you're talking about Mike Rapole. Uh, you're talking about a lot of hands in there. And if they're going to be negotiating this new CBA, they don't want things going out. They, the other owners may not want things going out on social media that would soften their position against the players' union at the end of the 2021 season when they're trying to negotiate this new CBA, that might be the case with that particular ownership group. You think, Joe? Yeah, definitely. And you got to figure in that A-Rod is a former player and he might end up siding with the players' union. So there's that. Exactly. 
And that's what the owners don't want. They, they want to have a united front. They want certain things that they're going to be negotiating against the players. And if you have uh, J-Lo in there tweeting something out about the way the negotiations are going or, you know, or her or feelings. Or, with his hand in the cookie jar. Yep. Player. Yep. Or A-Rod, like you said, A-Rod tweeting something out. Because, you know, he's a big personality as well. Or, yeah, I mean, I don't know if the other owners feel that they can trust this ownership group, that that, that, that particular ownership group will stand united with them. So I think that may be a problem, getting them approved by the other owners. Not that they couldn't get approved, but that may be a sticking point. Whereas Cohen is already co-owner of the Mets. And it's just elevating him to a more of an authoritative position. And as far as Josh Harris and David Blitzer goes, eh, you know, yeah, they me on those guys because they're destroying my New Jersey Devils. That and the other thing is they let you know they're kind of quiet guys. You know, um, I'm not sure what their bid is in relation to Cohen's and, uh, and J-Lo and A-Rod's bid, and, you know, how it stacks up. I mean, they normally just hire somebody and let them go, you know, quiet behind the scenes type stuff. But again, you're bringing somebody new into the equation that the other owners may not be comfortable with. So you guys are right. I think that hired Hinky in Philadelphia. Which is a brilliant hire. I love Sam Hinkie. I think Hinkie did a brilliant job. He should have been allowed to stay. He should have been allowed to stay. What what they did, and here's the key, what they did was they came to the commissioner and they removed Hinkie from power. And and so is that going to be something that the other owners will look at by saying, hey, you know what, in this CBA negotiation, we know that uh, they will, Blitzer and Josh Harris will listen to whatever the commissioner says. Uh, so, you know, could that be a plus that will elevate them? That they know if the commissioner says something, if the other owners come to them and say, hey, we need a change, we need you to do this, uh, they will listen and they will acquiesce and they will do what the other owners say because you know they removed hinky from power you know not that i wanted to see hinky get removed because i thought hinky was doing a good job and who knows where the Sixers would be now if hinky was still in power but you know uh that may be something that maybe elevates them who knows but i i think i gotta agree with you guys mike and joe i i think you guys are right jeff do you have any opinion on it or on who should actually run the team? Yeah. I still think Lopez could do it. I still want halftime shows. I'm still yeah. pushing that. Uh, don't don't talk, Mike. <laughs> you know it's going to happen. Come on. Not with a new CBA negotiation coming up. You don't want too many hands in the cookie jar, especially if one of those hands is a former player who might cave to the players' union. <laughs> Very true. Now, here's the other thing that I think plays into this as well. And uh, – is the fact that uh, the Phillies have not yet re-signed JT Real Muto to a new contract. Uh, he's still going to be a free agent at the end of the year. 
We see Bryce Harper, whenever JT does anything spectacular in practice, JT hits a home run or gets a big hit or whatever. I mean, you see him donning JT Realmuto's T-shirt and everything, and you always hear Bryce Harper yelling out, sign him, sign him. But the Phillies have not signed JT to an extension yet. Uh, JT came out this week and said there's been no progress in any of the talks that have been going on between he and the Phillies. So it looks as though maybe the Phillies might take a chance and allow JT to hit free agency. Um, You bring in one of these new ownership groups, if it's Steve Cohen, if it's the A-Rod group, I got to believe that, you know, those ownership groups are going to want to make a big splash in free agency if it's signing JT away from the Phillies as the catcher or if it's signing, who knows, Mookie Betts off of the Dodgers. Um, I got to believe they're going to want to make a big splash in free agency after signing the team. Um Joe, I'll go to you with this one. What do you think? Um, do you think they're going to want to – the new ownership is going to want to make a splash? Would you be concerned if uh, you were a Phillies fan with the lack of progress on talks and re-signing, JT? I would definitely be concerned as a Phillies fan. You know, yeah. he, JT is – in my my opinion, he's the best catcher in baseball. Someone might try to yeah. say, yes, Monty Grandel. I, I don't care. He's the best catcher in baseball. Yeah. He should be paid yeah. like it. And, you know, the Phillies, even with him, are a fourth-place team, in my opinion. So if they don't want the Marlins to one-up them right now, like, sign JT long-term. I don't – like, catchers – if you have someone that good catcher, keep him around. Um, Bryce Harper's totally right. And the Mets definitely, if they get new ownership – will try to sweep up and maybe sign JT to a bigger contract, something we're not used to seeing from the Mets. And, you know, he would be an upgrade over Wilson Ramos, who has an expiring contract this year. And I know Wilson Ramos is a good catcher, but, you know, JT's the best in baseball. You know, maybe the Phillies end up signing Wilson Ramos if they can't get JT Romuto, which – Bring him back. Bring him back. But (laughs) – you know, I would not be surprised at all if the Mets made a put made a push for him. You know, it it would do nothing but make the team better. I agree, I, and I do think that the new ownership is going to want to make, especially if it's Cohen or A Rod. Yeah, with his tremendous wealth, he'd want to make a splash in free agency, either going for bats, going for bullpen pieces, going for JT Realmuto. He's got the power. He's got the bank. And I think he'll make a splash in free agency and have the rest of the division running scared. Now, do you think, Joe, do you think the lack of fans, uh, maybe the lack of money that may be coming into Major League Baseball this season, the new CBA on the horizon, do you think there would be any uh, pushback from ownership to maybe – not sign some of these marquee free agents that they would have a lack of funds or something like that, that free agency would, would be slowed down at all. Or do you think these marquee free agents like a Mookie Betts, like a JT will get those monster contracts like Harper got? Well, they won't get a 
monster contract like Harper. Nope, not many people will. But uh, uh, the shortened season and the lack of fans definitely will have a role in it. But, but MLB teams make so much money that the payroll doesn't even the payroll is only a small portion compared to the rest of what they make. So I'm sure there's money left over if they really wanted to sign Jan to be real Mudo to sign. Now, I don't know the financials of what's going on in the Phillies organization, so don't take my word for it. But, but you know, there's – if they really wanted to sign JT, there's money somewhere to sign him. It's just uh, if they want to spend the money. And right I, now it's looking like – right now it's looking very unsure whether he stays in Philly. I agree. I mean, he says he loves Girardi as a manager. He loves the organization. But does the organization love him back? And the fact that they're not moving on this, that it seems to be in neutral, leads me to believe that, that – that, Not between the Phillies and Real Mudo. That, yeah, that – you know, that they're going to allow him to test free agency. Otherwise, I would think they would be in drive on this, that they would be exchanging offers, that things would be flying back and forth to try and get this thing resolved so that JT doesn't hit free agency, so that you don't have some of these organizations like the Mets with the new ownership or some other team. Cohen. Yeah, that's what I just said. Like Cohen and – Mets or some other organization that values JT that has some money to burn, go out and sign JT and he move on as much as he likes the Phillies, as much as he likes Girardi, if the Phillies aren't going to be in a bidding war for him now, I mean, you have the perfect opportunity. Sign him to a contract, work things out, exchange proposals, get this thing done. Uh, and over with so that JT doesn't hit free agency so that you're not in a bidding war with another team so that you don't have another team courting them and uh, possibly losing them because you, you spent capital to bring in JT. You traded some good young prospects to bring JT onto the Phillies and then to just all of a sudden lose him because of money. It doesn't seem right to me when he's one of the best catchers in baseball. It just doesn't seem cost-effective to me. You lose also, ground, you know. The Marlins automatically win that trade. Also, last year, JT yep. was the most valuable player on the yep. Phillies, if you're looking at uh, war. Yep. You know, like, there's there's no doubt. Like, it's it's him and Bryce Harper, the two best players on the team. But, like, J, JT being at the catcher position just provides more so much more value. And – you know, they got to find a way they got this done because the Phillies do have pieces. They just, they just need a, they just need to fill in the gaps a little bit more. Now we are um, a couple of weeks away from baseball actually starting up again. Uh, we heard today uh, on Friday that uh, Buster Posey is opting out. Um, how, Joe, uh, you came out with uh, some predictions and everything for the NFL, but how do you think uh, this will affect teams going forward? We're seeing some players opt out. Uh, Zach Wheeler hasn't fully committed yet. I mean, he's practicing with the Phillies. He's going forward like he's going to play, but 
Who knows what happens after his child gets born? Uh, if he opts to stay away and not risk playing the 60-game season, um, you know, how do you think this is going to progress for Major League Baseball? Well, it all depends on we're, – we're more clear about something like the NBA, who's not – there's the players have come out like these are the yeah. players that are not playing. We're not too sure about the MLB yet. Like you said, Buster Posey's not coming back. But if we're being honest, Buster Posey really hasn't been a top five catcher in baseball for a few years now, you know? Yeah. And him being gone won't change the fact that the Giants are trash, in my opinion. They are the worst team in the division. Like, like you got – like, the, that to hold the NL West anyway will belong to the Dodgers, no doubt. But there may not even be a team at 500 other than the Dodgers. Maybe the Diamondbacks, maybe the Padres. I was thinking the Padres. Um, like, they were starting to come on, a, you know, a little bit. They got – the yeah. Padres, they're a little yeah. – man, but, like, still, the <laughs> Buster Posey's not going to change the fact that the Giants are going to finish last in the division. And, you know, other – when we hear about other players that are opting not to participate yeah. – like you said, if Zach Wheeler doesn't participate, that's a huge hit for the Phillies. Who, yeah. Even if I do think they are going to be fourth in the division, that those top four teams in the division are all going to be very close. Yeah. And they're going to be fine for a wild card spot for a while. And, you know, that's definitely going to hurt them. There, I, there are some other marquee players that, off the top of my head, I can't remember, who they decided they're not playing. But I heard – Mike Trout's still on short. Mike, if the face of baseball decides not to play, um, I'm not saying I'm not going to watch baseball because that would be a lie, but I think that would get a lot of people would be discouraged from watching more than they probably than they probably would. And he hasn't confirmed anything yet, but, you know, like, uh, Garrett Cole is already – I know Garrett Cole's already said he's playing. He's been at the practices, but he just had it – the birth of his child happen at the end of June. So, yeah. you know, maybe there's concern. Maybe, maybe he'll back out last minute, like, because he doesn't – but, like, he's already at the Yankees practices, so maybe that's kind of set in stone now. Like, yeah, he's participating in the season. Mm. Maybe when you have a contract that big, you can't really say, yeah, I'm not going to play. Yeah. Nine years over three hundred million. Yeah, be playing. You would you would think so, but I mean, players with the virus being what it is, and uh, the players having family members and children and things like that. You know, we're we're seeing it in basketball with players opting out. We're seeing it. Some baseball players are opting out. Um, I haven't seen it so much in the NFL yet or the NHL, but, you know, we're definitely seeing it in basketball and somewhat in baseball too. Just as like some notable players, like the national, like David Price, who just got traded to the Dodgers, still has a big contract. He said he's not going to play. The Nationals already had Brian Zimmerman, Mr. National himself, not saying. And that most of them are because of their family. You know, and other play other players like Ian Desmond, Nick Marquez, yeah. Felix Hernandez—they're all not playing. And yeah. 
these are some notable names. They may not be what they once were, but these but, are still notable names that make impacts on their teams. Absolutely. And impact in, in pennant races and things like that. I mean, even if one of these teams that they're on got off to a bad start, you know, even if they were playing um, and the team got off to a bad start, they're still impactful players that could impact the division race, could impact the player uh, – could impact the playoffs as well. So you're looking at it, and if these guys aren't there, they're impacting the division and the playoff race too. Exactly. You know, so uh, big – I mean, big thing for uh, these sports to try and overcome. Another interesting thing that uh, came out with the schedule release uh, since we last talked, looking over it, is – uh, that, that I think is really cool is that the Yankees and Mets are going to play each other on September 11th. How awesome is that, Joe? I mean, the yeah. anniversary is September 11th, and you have the Yankees and the Mets going head-to-head -head yeah. with each other. I mean, it's just great. Yeah. It's more – something like that is just more than baseball. And I, that would – and that series is going to – that of course it's a subway series so it's always going to be must watch tv but the fact it's nice that they're doing that 20 years after the fact because yeah you know it changed the city you could see how the city was you know you know was not the same after the 9-11 attacks and you know something like mike piott said hitting that game-winning home run to beat the braves or the Yankees reaching the World Series that year. Like it like sports are supposed to be a getaway from that type of stuff. So and the Yankees and Mets both impacted the fan the New York fans during that horrible time. So this is just a great way to yeah, memorialize the event and to and to, you know, maybe some older fans to remember the good times that the good times, you know, afterwards in terms of, you know, baseball. Yep, completely agree. What do you think, Mike? Excellent Look. scheduling by Major League Baseball. September yep. 11th, 2021, Yankees, Mets. I cannot wait to see that game. I and can't wait for a Jacob DeGrom versus Garrett Cole matchup. That would be killer. That would be awesome. What do you think, Jeff? I just hope it's not I, a publicity stunt. True. You know, hopefully yeah. they're doing it because of, not because they haven't had baseball in how long and they need the money. Yeah. Disappear. Ooh. Ooh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just, uh, you know, I, I think it's a great idea as long as they pull it off the right way and not, you know. Um, my question is, will they have fans in the stadiums? That, that is a big question for me. I mean, having it televised is one thing, so you can have plenty of advertising, which would be great. So expect a lot of patriotic advertising around that time. So we'll, we'll see. They will be able to have fans in the stadium by that time. Maybe. I don't know. Hopefully they can have some fans in there, even if it's like a 1,000 fans or whatever. Hopefully they can have somebody, some form of fans in the stadium that, you know, even if they're wearing masks, even if they're not near the field at all. I know yeah. baseball's taking a lot of precautions that way. Uh, they've been kind yeah. of out in front of that. 
if they were smart, they'd probably do something where they have select bands, like some kind yeah. of contest or something where like so many, you know, they space people are part of, they still doing that, you know, something yeah. like that to get people to either donate to something or whatever. And the more you do, you know, the better chances you have to actually go to the game. That would be pretty cool. You know, like, if they play their cards right. Uh, something like New York police, New York fire attending that game. Something like that. Yeah. You know, that would be really cool too. If they would do something like that. I think by the time we start 2021 season, we'll, we'll probably have a vaccine for corona for this new strand of coronavirus. And um, side note, since you since you brought it up, my Israel, yeah, Israel supposedly came out with a uh, antibody that uh, neutralizes it. Supposedly, it's in development, so that's good news right now. I just read that yesterday, so little little update for you guys. Leave it to Israel. Uh, I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm hopeful, you know, anything that'll help stymie this coronavirus to get rid of it, you know, is appreciated and, you know, should be well received. Anything, you know. You did say it was in development, so. They found the anti, they found it in tests, but they have to go to like, and I know this is going to sound bad, animal testing with it and stuff before they can move on to human tests. You know how the whole process works. Yeah. So. They found it, and now they're going to try to get it through, and hopefully, and it's supposed to be in people that already have it also, so not just a vaccine, but an antibody. A six-month layover, perhaps. I Hopefully yeah. not. I mean, they found it in, what, three months right now yeah. since this thing started, so hopefully, you know, maybe they could fa- not, using the phrase fast-tracking it, and we all know what happens when yeah. we fast-track vaccines, but hopefully they do take precautions when fast-tracking. Yeah. I agree. Now, here's something, Jeff. Uh, You know, we're talking about fans going into the stadiums and everything like that. Uh, What's starting to sweep through, I think, uh, at least baseball, is the fact that more teams are – and more teams are kind of picking up on this, is uh, putting – having fans, when they purchase a ticket or whatever or purchase uh, this special ticket, I guess – they're putting out there. Uh, fans can send in a picture of themselves, I guess, wearing the uh, like Joe's wearing today. You know the uniform, like a jer- the team jersey, or team something. jersey or whatever. You know, team hat. You know, and send in an a- appropriate picture of themselves doing that to the team, and the team will put a cardboard cutout of the person in the seat that they purchased. And then if a foul ball hits that uh, cardboard cutout, the team mails them the ball in the mail. Uh, More and more teams are starting to pick up on this. I know I think the San Francisco Giants are doing it. Uh, I think the Oakland A's kind of started this trend. Some other teams I think are starting to look at it and say, hey, if we can't have fans in the stands during the games, we can have their likeness in the stands. And we can still sell tickets and generate some revenue that way. Uh, what do you think of this idea, Jeff? Hopefully they're not charging. I hope they're not charging full price for a seat because you're talking about a cardboard cutout. Um, yeah. You know, we, can go, we can all go down to Kinko's and get one of our own, you know, technically. So I, I, I yeah. think that's an interesting idea. It gives the players some aspect of, great, now I can actually hit a fan. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hopefully, 
hopefully it doesn't turn malicious next year. Be like, oh, I accidentally hit him. My bad. <laughs> but, so wait, are they going to have the netting come down? To make that's that's what I'm curious about. Like, because you yeah, you got the netting all around. You know, the netting kind of like if you can make a great play going into the stands. There's no fans to worry about like getting hit with the ball or getting in your way. So yeah. Why not? That's a good point. I haven't heard that brought up because uh, everything before this season was about extending the netting, protecting the fans. And you brought up an excellent point, Joe, without uh, the fans being there with just these cardboard cutouts there, you can lower the netting. You don't have to worry about it anymore. You could see players diving into the stands to make it spectacular catch. Yeah, you know, and all these different things going on, you know, and that's falling a- over the railings and uh, yeah. lawsuits galore because you know they're stupid. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Um, now, my my question is: Are they going to have people actually working in the stands? So when something like this happens, you got the person running down to get the ball, and I guess whatever information's on the uh, cardboard cutout. I'm curious about that. How it all works out. That's a that's a good thing. That's an interesting thing too. I would imagine they would. They would have like the usher at the top of each section, and if the cutout got hit, you know, the usher would come down, retrieve the ball, maybe put a mark on the cutout or something like that, and yeah, you know, or take or take the or or here's the thing too. If if they're if they go down, retrieve the ball, and take the cutout, does that mean the cutout now has no opportunity to get a second ball? You well, know, they already got hit, so in yeah. real life, they would be knocked out, so they wouldn't be in there. <laughs> Honestly, it would be funny if someone hit a foul ball so hard that it just kind of cut off, broke off half the cutout. That would be amazing to watch. That would be awesome. Now, my yeah. question is, are they going to go to the person's house and throw the ball at them just to re- – you know, here's your realistic uh, – yeah, well, well, to that point, Joe, we had a Yankees pitcher go down with a concussion off the ball of Giancarlo Stanton. Luckily, uh, he wasn't hurt too bad, but we saw that uh, happen this past week as well. Uh, thank God he wasn't hurt more than he was. Uh, but that Did he get to keep the ball? I don't no. think he cared about the ball. No. Uh, Garrett, Garrett Cole couldn't oh. even keep a ball that he liked. Yeah. So there was a video of that of of them practicing. He struck out a guy, and Gary Sanchez threw the ball around the horn, and then the umpire's like, "Okay," or whatever they substitute for an umpire. You can't use that ball again. And Garrett's like, "Is this a practice ball that I got? I like the other ball." He's like, "We can't use that ball." And he's kind of complaining a little about it. Then next pitch, he gives a home run to Miguel Andujar, and he's visibly like ticked off about it. I just so that actually might be interesting going into the season like not reusing balls I know yeah. balls get used so many so many balls get used during a one game but like could something like that really turn the tide of a game it like, could it, like I, the grip of how a pitcher likes a ball or something like that could that would be a cheap way to say, like, oh, we lost because I didn't like how the ball felt. But, like, well, look that, at football. If, it's a, if a football is deflated, they complain about that. So, why not? You know, <laughs> the way yeah. a ball, you know, you get used to holding the ball a certain way or the type of material, yeah. Or whatever. Yeah, you just get used to it. So, yep. Know. 
Yeah, and that could definitely turn the tide of again. We've seen that, you know, pitchers rub, you know, pitchers get a new ball, they rub it up, you know, they, you know, and maybe they don't, and we've seen this before, pitchers don't like the way the ball is feeling in their hands and they throw it back to the umpire or throw it away and get a new ball in there. I mean, gripping a ball is key to, one of the keys to pitching. And if the pitcher doesn't like the way a ball is feeling in their hand, you know, that could definitely make a pitch worse than it would normally be coming out of that pitcher's hand. That that could be a real thing. And in this uh, race for 60, I mean, a heightened season where every game is going to matter, you know, that could be a real thing, you know, because you can't go on – in Major League Baseball this year, you can't afford to go on any sustained losing streaks and have hope of making the playoffs. You know, you, you lose a series, you lose, uh, you go on a three, four, five game losing streak and you could be done for the season, you know, and um, that could be a real thing. Uh, so we got um, some college football news to kind of report on uh, this week. The Ivy League has canceled fall sports until 2021. They will not have any football or any of the winter sports. They are off. Uh, they're going to send out something in the future about practice sessions going on for some of the other winter sports, but no college football in the Ivy League. We saw them previously be the first league to cancel uh, basketball to for it to go dark, and then the other leagues kind of followed suit after that. Um, Joe, I'll go, I'll go to you on this one. Could you see the other college football leagues cancel their football seasons coming up and following the route of the Ivy League? Well, Miles Powell on Twitter put it best, saying that the Ivy League was the first league to cancel its conference tournament before this yep. whole thing happened. We all thought they were crazy. Yep. And, you know, they just were a step ahead of the game. So, you know, they know something. Um, yeah. Also, sports might not be as impactful for them, you know, considering they are Division One, but, like, they're the lower Division One. They're FCS. Yeah. But you already see, like, the Big Ten Conference already said they're playing only conference games. And the ACC, is, I, ju I just saw not too long ago, was also considering trying to do a only conference games and mixing in Notre Dame to fill in a conference schedule considering Notre Dame is part of the ACC for other sports. Um, I could definitely see uh, conferences going in that direction. Um, but if things get worse, like they with the cases, like they have been more recently, you know, maybe the Ivy League again is a step ahead, a step ahead of the game and the college football season gets canceled altogether. But, um, or just, you know, fall sports in general. Yeah, and here's what I kind of am concerned about, too, with the college football season is that you can tell a professional athlete, a, a grown man, okay, we don't want you doing this, we don't want you doing that, but these are going to be teenagers. These are guys that do not have a professional contract, uh, that are going to college. We've seen what happens on college. We know kind of what goes on on college campuses uh, in terms of partying, 
uh, you know, you're going to ask all these, and we know that the college rosters, especially in football, are larger than on an NFL team. And if you're reducing the rosters on an NFL team, what do you do on a college team with these expanded rosters? And you're going to tell each one of those college players, you got to wear a mask. You got to social distance. We don't want you partying. We don't, you know, almost like you got to stay almost like in a bubble almost. And that's a tall ad for, you know, the college football players to go out and do no partying, no, you know, nothing like that. Uh, when you're already, some of these schools are saying, you know what, we're just going to have limited people on campus. We're going to uh, have people, have students uh, work, you know, taking classes from home. I mean, that's a tall ask for some of these rosters on a college campus to go out and do. And, and I don't know whether the coaches can enforce that on these college players. And once one team once one or two or three or four players get infected with, with the uh, coronavirus, that could sweep through an entire team, and that could spread to yet another team if they're going out there on Saturday and uh, playing tackle football or whatever. You know, that would be my concern, uh, Joe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, uh, what do you think, Jeff? I don't know. I mean, you try to tell college kids what to do. Good luck. Exactly. Come on, Joe. You know this. Yeah. Exactly. I literally just got out there. They won't. We. Yeah. We won't listen. I mean, any. I. I don't know. They'll do whatever they like. You know, when we were having when we before the quarantine even shut down, I remember at Seton Hall there were already parties happening when they said on Tuesday, like when they said on. I remember it was a Tuesday. They sent us out the email no classes until this date no and there are already a few yep. uh few frat sorority houses that yeah. were already having parties like i i don't i don't know you're not even you're not gonna tell students social distancing on campus doesn't seem plausible i agree completely agree um the other thing um, there was a story about a student at Penn State that we tweeted out on our website. So you can go, you can check out uh, the awesome uh, story, son of a former NFL player. Uh, I think it was NFL or MLB, uh, but you can go to our website and check it out. Great piece that was written. But uh, the gist of that is they were saying that parents should have more of a role in determining whether or not these college sports should be played currently and should have a voice at the table. What do you think, Joe? Should they or should things kind of remain as they are? I mean, it's a, t it's a tough thing to try and think about and contemplate because once you let the parents in, then all of a sudden that changes how things are decided and all of a sudden you, you know, uh, you know, but they know their kids better than anybody. So, exactly. you know, yeah. uh, and, they, and they're looking out for the best case scenario. And if colleges are saying, yes, we're going to play and we're going to put your kids in harm's way with this virus, and the parents want, you know, a voice to say, no, I don't want my kid's scholarship being affected. I don't want my kid playing 
because he may come, he or she may come down with this virus, and who knows what happens then. I mean, should you know, uh, it's a thing to talk about. I mean, should parents have like a seat at the table and have a voice in what's happening to their uh, child? It's hard because from I want to say like most right. these kids going into college are legal adults, very young legal adults, but you know they are technically allowed to make a decision for themselves but most of yeah. them are dependent yeah. on their parents still and you know the parents do i still think have a fair say but as i've seen with youth sports when the parents get involved it's usually not pretty <laughs> so i don't know um I agree with what you you're know, saying, I, Joe. It's yeah. I really can't even give you an answer because there's arguments for the parents being involved and against the parents being involved. I hear you. Um, let's. I, if you don't mind me throwing sure. my two cents in with that sure. one, I agree with you, Joe. It it is a hard thing because there are students in there that depend on their parents and basically listen to what they tell them to do. Unfortunately, and being someone that's gone through college and everything. I look at it this way. You're there to learn how to be an individual. You shouldn't really have your parents tell you what to do. They can be an influence at this time in your life. That's what they're supposed to be. They're supposed to transition from, I tell you what to do to, I've taught you how, uh, what I can. Now it's your turn to go out there, take what you've learned, become your own person. So in this case, for a parent to say, no, he can't play football, I'm sorry. And excuse me if this sounds bad, but screw you. <laughs> yeah. you know, I'm yeah. in college. It's my decision. You can tell me your worries. You can tell me your fears. But ultimately, it comes down to my choice. Do I feel safe playing? Yeah. Am I going to take every precautions? Yes. But, you know, when it comes to scholarships and everything, that's all on the student. It, it's their decision. It's not their parents. It's, you know, I mean, yeah, they probably paid for it. But who pays it back at the end? The that's right yep if the sure. parents uh, you know unless your parents are rich in which case you could have whatever you want why would you even want to play anyway if you have that much money unless you're hey. really bored <laughs> yeah but that that's my two cents is that you need to make a decision on your own and if you're letting your parents tell you what to do depending on certain cases no you need to you need to how do i put this mildly you need to man up grow up be your own individual Look at what's going on right now just during this corona case. Everyone's standing up and, and voicing their opinion. So yep. what's the difference between this and the thing going on in college right now? Very totally true. Agree. Yep. Good point. Back to you, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was, that was an excellent point, Jeff. Um, speaking of viewpoints, we had uh, Deshaun Jackson oh, wow. come out. Uh, you know, Exactly. Uh, to, a, to a whole face palm. First, he starts tweeting out things from Louis Farrakhan. Uh, then he compounds that by tweeting out a incorrect quote from Adolf Hitler. Um, oh boy. Why does he just tweet out his resume? Because this is what he's going to need now. I mean, come on. Yeah. Not to jump on this right away, Jay, but, but if you're yeah. going to start saying that type of stuff, I'm sorry, you're an idiot. This is my reaction right now. 
I, your head. Yeah, that's what I said. I'm like, I'm so embarrassed for this guy. At first, I was all Deshaun Jackson. Yeah, yeah. What? <laughs> no, no. D- do not think before you speak. Yeah, there's a movement going on right now, but no. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you want to talk about, let's look at this from a conspiracy standpoint. Okay, you're going to call uh, them out. How long do you think you're going to, uh, you know, you're going to Epstein yourself? Oh, yeah. If this turns out. But it's not true. We all know this. It's just, it's wrong. It, it's so wrong. And if he stays, uh, I, I hate to sound this way, if he still has a job after this, no matter how many times he's apologized, everybody else that tweeted out anything even rem- less than what he said gets either booted from his work, you know, you know, thrown off. I mean, we've seen it happen to a lot of people so far. He should not be in this position. He should be no gone. or he'll be like blackball the similar thing what happened to right the same team riley cooper he a yep. year after that whole video came out you know he was a decent wide receiver but only five years into his career he was booted from the nfl basically he was blackballed not yeah no team wanted to sign him after his contract was up with the eagles and yep. deshaun jackson being older like i don't know if the eagles were going to keep him around you know, the Eagles are in such a need of wide receivers. I really wouldn't be surprised if they just kind of like were like trying to make bygones be bygones. Uh, yeah, we could just see what the fans are going to do, though. Yeah, really. Well, you know, I mean, some someone tweets any kind of hate speech or any kind of, and I uh, I can't even pronounce yeah. it well. Anti-Semitic? Is that yeah. doing that right? Semitic, yeah. Yeah. Semitic. Thank you. Um, anybody that does that, they're immediately gone. Like an organization will cut you off. So it should be the same for football. I mean, they're trying to deal with the racism within that and one-sidedness. You want transparency? He needs to be let go of his contract. I'm pretty sure there's something in his contract that talks about his behavior and whether or not it null and voids his contract. Like if, if someone like, like, and I hate to be like this, but just how I, this is how society's been going. If Carson wants to, for obvious reasons, if he says something like that about a different group of people, mm-hmm. he would be done for. Mm-hmm. And he would receive more hate. And I hate to think like that. And I know some people are going to say it's not about race, but am I wrong? Yeah. No, you're not wrong. Especially uh, it, now. I mean, you know, I mean, a couple several years ago, it would have been different. Like he would have been booted, and somebody on the opposite side would be just a slap on the wrist. But now everything's switching around. Yeah. And it's like, well, you should. There should not be any switch. It should be. If you want equality? Here we go. Equal punishment for the same thing on no matter what. You know, yeah. and it, it's really sad. And there's nothing to be ashamed about. Yeah. Not bringing it up, but you're right, Joe. And, and here's the thing, too. You look at the power brokers uh, within the Philadelphia Eagles. You got uh, GM Howie Roseman, who is Jewish. You've got, and you've got the owner, Jeff Worry, who's Jewish. And not only that, Jeff Worry's uh, film company is coming out with a film on Adolf Hitler that Jeff Worry was apparently the executive producer on. So all that kind of plays into it too. 
And the one thing that hasn't happened really is you haven't had a bunch of his teammates on the Eagles. You haven't had a bunch of NFL players come out and uh, criticize Deshaun Jackson. You haven't had that media fire. I mean, it has been the lead on sports talk shows, but or near the lead, maybe the second story that that they cover, but it has been near the top of the show. And there hasn't been a lot of, but there hasn't been a lot of outcry amongst the NFL community or sports athletes as a whole condemning the anti-Semitic uh, uh, social media posts that Deshaun Jackson made. And then he comes out and utters his apology on his Instagram account on social media that I think made it worse. I think he had to further explain his thought process. What prompted you to post this? Why did you post it? What were you thinking when you did that? What's your viewpoint? Allowing other people to get inside his head a little bit. And he did none of that. Had to go in, talk to Jeff Laurie, Harry Roseman. Uh, apparently, he's going to be meeting with clergy, uh, Jewish clergy within the Philadelphia area to uh, get further knowledge of the situation. Another good thing, uh, Julian Edelman, Edelman of the New England Patriots uh, put this out on his social media account saying, hey, um, if you're willing, I'm willing to go to you to the um, uh, African-American Museum if you'll come with me to a uh, Jewish museum uh, so we can both get further knowledge about our cultures and then we'll have a, we'll sit down we'll have a burger we'll have an uncomfortable conversation about our religious beliefs and things like that which i think would be great for deshaun because obviously deshaun has a lot to learn and the one thing that got me in this everybody knows who adolf hitler is i mean unfortunately you know Everybody knows who he is. You can't. And Deshaun went to college. He went to college on the West Coast, I believe, it was UCLA, so California, he, or California. And uh, so he knows. So he's got to know how bad this is, that would be. So anything that you're doing that has his name attached to it in yeah. this culture, I mean, you can't feign ignorance on it. That is like, you know. And he also misquoted it. Exactly. Yeah, that's even and worse. I, yeah. Another form of um, just something, Malcolm Jenkins, who used to be the Sean yeah. Jackson teammate, like came out. And as you know, Malcolm Jenkins has been a big, uh, yeah. he's been a big part of the BLM movement in sports. And, you know, he reacted to what Deshaun said and he's, I'm quoting him. He said, we can honor the Jewish heritage and trauma while staying focused on what matters. Jewish people aren't our problem. We aren't their problem. Let's not lose focus on what the problem truly is. And that's black lives still don't matter in this country. And then he made some comments about uh, arresting and evicting Breonna Taylor's killers. That seems a bit hypocritical to say, but if I must say he, uh, part of a group that's trying to promote uh, unity and for groups 
for minority groups that, you know, maybe don't, that don't, are, are not recognized properly. And then we're talking about a minority group here that's not being recognized properly. Yep. He's just kind of saying, but they, you know, it, it, they're not our problem right now. Like, that doesn't look good at all. Oh, I completely agree with you there. I was, I was going to bring that up, Joe. And I, I completely agree. Like Malcolm Jenkins is saying, yeah, what, you know, that was okay and whatever. But here, this is the bigger. And no, they're both problems within our society. And you don't just blow off one to focus on the other. That's part of this whole, th you know, I think it's part of the whole thing. You know, uh, anti fighting anti-Semitism, you know, being part of the Black Lives Matter movement. They're both big causes that should be addressed and is part of the change that needs to happen as well. So I do agree with you that Malcolm Jenkins was kind of blowing that off, uh, to use those words, to get people to pay more attention to the Black Lives Matter movement. I completely agree with you there. Um, I think Malcolm Jenkins needs to go back on and uh, and restate what he said and, you know, refocus on that because anti-Semitism is still a big problem, like you said, Joe. And Steven Jackson, for NBA yeah. player, double, sort of doubled down in on what Deshaun Jackson has said. Like, that, like, uh, like, you know, I got to point out the hypocrisy when I see it. Like, I, it's, it's really... It's really just like if Drew Brees' his name was dragged through the mud for a solid like week and a yeah. half because yeah. he said something about the national anthem and the comments may have not been warranted then, but it's not he didn't say yeah. anything hateful. And Deshaun Jackson just actually know, this is hate yeah. speech and he's getting less negative feedback about it than Drew Brees did. And honestly, it makes me a little sick, honestly, that it sort it feels like it's a double standard. And I've been saying that. Absolutely. I think it totally is. I mean, you're talking about the color of one skin versus and what they've been through, uh, which is horrible. And you know, I completely agree. I completely agree with the Black Lives Matter movement, but anti-Semitism is still a huge problem as well and should not be poo-pooed or brushed aside or anything like that. That needs to be addressed as well. And for Malcolm Jenkins, yes, the Black Lives Matter movement, but so is anti-Semitism and getting rid of that and addressing that as well. That's also a big cause. And I think Malcolm Jenkins totally and completely downplayed that and shoved that to the side uh, for his own cause. And I think he should be called out on that as well, you know, and as should Deshaun Jackson. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, the other, and kind of along similar lines, if you will, uh, the Washington Redskins are in a little bit of turmoil. It looks like there will soon be no more Washington Redskins. It will be changed to Washington, whatever. Um, My money's on senators. Could be senators. Could see that. I mean, bringing back that old baseball team name. Uh, for football, I can see that. Um, the Cleveland Indians are looking into a name change for themselves as well. Um, bring back the old WNBA team name? Could be. 
you know, the, the one thing that kind of bothers me is that Daniel Snyder could have done this years ago, had plenty of time to change the name of the Washington Redskins, doubled down on it, what, about a year or two ago, and said the name will never be changed. But now you see all the sponsorships abandoning in droves the Washington Redskins. I mean, he can't get – he can't sell any of his merchandise. I mean, every outlet, every outlet is taking it down. I mean, Amazon.com, Walmart, Target, uh, you know. I mean, the only way you can buy Washington Redskins gear now is maybe go to the team store. I always uh, say this. Yeah. Money is the root of all things. Like, yep. you know, it's he's doing this. He's changing the name for monetary purposes, not because he gives a crap about whether – the name uh, offends people or not. Exactly. And he wasn't going to change the name. If, um, like I said, what was it, a week ago, um, if the leader of the uh, Indian nation um, didn't come out and condemn him and, and then follow suit uh, with all these sponsorships abandoning them uh, with the fact that uh, he probably would not going to be allowed to move back to uh, DC until he changed the team name. Uh, you know, all these things are abandoning him. And so he's being forced into a corner to go back on what he said. You know, I'm never changing the team name. And you can put that in all caps or we'll never change and, and everything like that. And like you said, Joe, without all these uh, outside pressure by the sponsors and not being able to sell his gear, uh, you know, he wouldn't have changed the team name, and it would have gone on for who knows how long. You know, because he wasn't going to sell a team; he was going to remain. He was going to remain owner. But now it looks like you know uh, the sponsors are doing the right thing. They're standing up. They're saying enough is enough. We're listening to the Indian Nation, and we're going to force Dan Snyder to change the name. Um, and uh, move on from the Washington Redskins. So it does appear that uh, he's caving into financial pressure, you know, and there will be – and now he is uh, – I heard or saw somewhere that uh, they're still going to keep the team colors, the burgundy and gold or the burgundy and yellow. Um, so the team colors are going to remain the same, but he's not even – I, I think it's going to be changed before the start of the season, but – the fans aren't going to have any input on it, it doesn't appear, because they're going to have to do this lickety-split yeah. and, and get everything remarketed and, and, and out there, and the fans aren't going to have any input on it. Yeah, I said before, like, when we were talking about this last week, I wasn't even sure. If it, I said this is probably going to happen after the season because, you know, it takes time to with all, yeah. the, with all the licensing agreements and trademarks, but – but the, the public's really bearing down on the organization now, so they yeah. might try. They might just really speed this up. Like, you know, we may, you know, I've not. I have no idea what it is. I've been seeing some name ideas being thrown around, but you know, yeah. nothing confirmed by the organization. Yeah, I mean, I've heard the name Warriors kind of being thrown around as a new name. You know, if they're going to change the name, at least at least make it something a little unique. At least. I don't get Redskin, while offensive, is a unique name. Warriors yeah. is just like, we already have the Golden State Warriors. Like, honestly, repeats and team names, I'm not, I'm not the biggest fan of it. 
unless they've been around for a long time. Like, I, I don't know, maybe change it to something that may honor Native Americans or something. Or like, I heard someone being thrown around the idea of being the Washington Americans, you know, as a tribute to the Native Americans who are the first people here on this continent. You know, that would be, but you know, that's not going to happen. I've had they always the, call themselves Washington natives. They that's could not offensive. They could keep the name Washington Redskins, but change their logo to Redskin to Red Potatoes. <laughs> I haven't seen that thrown around on the internet. No. <laughs> that, that would be dumb. Um, <laughs> I know. I'm still throwing the name Senators out there. That would be a good option. That would be a good option. Pay history to the tradition in Washington. We also yeah. do have another major teammate, the Senators, but you know, yeah, you know, you could, there's only so much creativity. You know, uh, what might be interesting, you know, calling themselves the Washington Expos. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no. Everyone in Montreal peeved off at you. You know what they could do, Jay? Technically, what? they could just reach out to the Native Americans and ask them, what would you want the team to be called? Yeah, we're using Redskins as a tribute for, you know, yeah. Native Americans. What what name would you? Is there a name in whatever yeah. Yeah. language you guys use that would, you know, be appropriate? Something that you know says warrior without saying warrior. Maybe they could. Know? I don't know if there's a native. Tri there's a tribe around the D.C. Maryland area that had a big impact like I know Florida State's the Seminoles and they have approval from the Seminole Nation to you know use that name and depict the Seminole Nation depict Seminoles as such but maybe it's something like that maybe a certain yeah. uh, tribe uh Washington Apaches they're more uh, out west but you know Thank I like you. the idea then you'll start another war within the Indian Nation good job <laughs> Right idea, wrong coast. Yeah, but, but truthfully, just reach to out the Redskins to Redskins Just uh, reach out to all the Native American tribes and say, "Hey, this is what we want to do." Get the leaders of all of them together and go. What name would you guys want that is basically unifying the Indian nation? That would be problem cool. solved. Yeah, that would be cool too. And then they could do that, and like you said, problem solved. It honors the Indian tradition, and we can uh, move on from it. Um, now, can we get Land Lakes back? Because they weren't racist at all. Ah, that's true. <laughs> um, What's going to happen to the Redskins role that I've been closely following? Uh, who knows? You know, good point. Um, the other interesting news that came out, big news that came out, is that now for the next 12 years, Pat Mahomes will be part of the Kansas City Chiefs. He is not going anywhere. The Chiefs got their quarterback, lock, stock, barrel, and sign. Uh, he and Andy Reid will be coach and quarterback for the next, hopefully for the next decade plus. We will see, and uh, barring injury. Um, signs a record-breaking contract. Uh, now you've got the Chiefs returning – 20 of their 22 starters, uh, you know, peace lives within the Kansas City Chiefs organization. And uh, so, Joe, let me go to you on this one. What did you think of that huge contract that Pat Mahomes signed? 
it's gonna, you know, it's just such a big contract. I'm not even sure. I'm still not sure what to make of it. Like, I up towards half a billion dollars for one yeah. player over the course of the next ten to twelve years. Like, yeah. you know, for the for the Chiefs, That's that like means they got their guy. Fifty million. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, they got their guy. Um, they got their guy down. They need to hopefully keep all the other players on the team or most of the other players on the team that make them a, a good team. Like, And obviously in the future, there's room to restructure the contract if they need to. So this isn't, you know, anyone saying that like there's no room to sign anybody else. He, they still got two years of his rookie con of his rookie contract, where, yep. like, if they want to get the guys to build over the next, like, to be part of the building block for the for the next few years, like, this next two years is the time for the organization to do it. And, um, you know, I I as I said in my predictions that I made that I made not too long ago, you know, I think the Chiefs are going to win the Super Bowl again this year. I don't see anything that's going to stop them from doing so. You know, they went up against the best defense in the NFL last year in the Super Bowl and bested them. So, you know, why, why not? You know, my, I, I, you yeah. know, I, like, honestly, when Mahomes a quarterback, I could honestly see, like, multiple, like, multiple more Super Bowls. I, I tend to agree with you there, Joe, because you look at what it takes to be a successful franchise. You've got to have a great owner that's, you know, willing to spend money, that, that likes to compete, that wants Super Bowls and everything like that. The Chiefs have that. A good GM that can discern players that can go out, get the players the coach wants, needs, etc. can discern talent. The Chiefs got that. Good head coach that can – that is a good play caller and that can keep a team unified, that can deal with outside pressure, outside controversy. I think they got that in Andy Reid. Uh, they were able to keep Eric Bieniemy, his offensive coordinator. Uh, he was up for some jobs this past offseason, but for whatever reason, teams didn't hire him. Comes back to the Kansas City Chiefs. I was hoping the Giants would hire him. I was, you know, that was my theory. I mean, he's a good play caller. You look at the Andy Reid coaching tree, and it's had success. So, you know, you would think that the enemy, if he goes for another team, would continue that Andy Reid coaching tree of success. But, uh, you know, Giants decided to move in another direction. So, the enemy. In the Harbaugh direction. Yep. Uh, so the enemy returns, they return their starters. And like I said, in this crazy offseason where you may only have two preseason games, if that, the Players Association is pushing back. They don't want any preseason games. They just want a full training camp. Uh, so who knows what the season is going to look like when it finally starts, uh, you know, Returning 20 to 22 starters, the coaching staff, having uh, acquired a good running back in uh, Hilaire. You know, you look at the Kansas City Chiefs, they are lock, stock, ready to roll. 
And like you said, Joe, I could see them definitely in this crazy offseason where returning a team of veteran guys, you know, or first, first second-year players is going to mean so much this year, more than it might in a normal year. I could definitely see them going out and winning another Super Bowl this year. You know, absolutely. They would be the first back-to-back winners if that happens since the Patriots back in – I believe it was when they – I believe it was in between. It was their first like, – yeah. when they won three and four years, when they beat the Rams and then the Panthers, I believe. I think, I'm mistaken, think, something like that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, you look at them. They are ready to roll. And, like you said, I mean, I know some teams have improved within the AFC. I mean, you're getting – the Bills are going to be another year better. Um uh, their own division is probably a little bit better than it was last year. But, you know, you've got some new head coaches in there, some new quarterbacks trying to learn the timing with the wide receivers, trying to learn the playbook and communicate with the offensive line at the line of scrimmage. There's a lot of this upheaval, even if the players are good on the other teams, uh, a lot of diff- a lot of upheaval and, I don't know if another team – you would look at maybe Baltimore uh, as being another team that might be able to challenge them for getting to the Super Bowl this year. But even Baltimore, I think, could struggle this year against the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. You know? Exactly. Like, now – Yeah. Go ahead. No, no, I was just saying, like, as we saw, like, Baltimore can make improvements. I'm not sure if any def- – how if- – any defense can really contain the Chiefs' offense at this point. Now, the other thing, too, with Mahomes' contract, uh, now he's set, but uh, we have some other players that aren't set, uh, such as Dak Prescott. Uh, his Here we go again. Yep. Uh, his uh, time for signing a long-term extension is coming up on the 15th, uh, which will be later this week coming up. Uh, if he's not signed to a long-term extension by the 15th, then that's it. He plays under the franchise tag this year and we move on until next all season. Uh, you also have, you know, let's just look at that real quick. Um, do you think anything happens this week, Joe, with uh, Dak and the Dallas Cowboys? Or do you think he just plays under the franchise tag this year? I think he just plays under the franchise tag personally, you know. I really don't hope Dak expects to get anywhere near the type of money Mahomes is yeah. going to get. Because Mahomes deserves every penny of that. Yep. Oh, yeah. Dak, yep. I don't know. I just, you know, they're, obviously the quarterback market is going to uh, go up a lot just because of that deal. But, you know, I don't think Jerry Jones is budging, you know, until Dak can prove that he can even lead a team past a divisional round in the playoffs, like, I don't think he's worth it. Like, he had a good year for himself last year, but what that the team didn't make the playoffs. And he may be w- wanting to see what Dak does under his new head coach and Mike McCarthy, uh, if that's going to be a good marriage. If you sign him to this l- lucrative long-term contract now, whatever Dak is asking for, then all of a sudden you're married with him for the next couple of years. If things don't work out 
with Mike McCarthy, who Dallas went out and brought in. They got rid of Jason Garrett. He goes to the New York Giants as their offensive coordinator. So if things don't work out between for whatever reason, uh, whether it's play calling, whether it's understanding the play calling, whatever the situation may be, uh, if things don't work out between Dak and McCarthy, if he's under the franchise tag, you can move on from him at the end of next season. If you sign him to this big money contract, you're not moving on. You've got to force this relationship to work. And who knows what Mike McCarthy may be thinking of Dak behind closed doors. Publicly, he's come out and supported Dak, but who knows what he's thinking behind closed doors, too. You know, um, and who knows if Jerry Jones wants to revisit this in a couple of years, because reportedly, from what I've heard, Dak is looking for a, a, not only the money, but a short number of years, like maybe about uh, four years or so. And I think Dallas wants them maybe a little bit longer than that. And, and I think Dak wants to hit the quarterback market again in another couple of years. So I think that may be the holdup too with Dak and, I'll agree with you. I think Dak plays under the franchise tag. I don't think they come to an agreement this week on a long-term contract. And I think Dak goes out, says, I'm going to prove myself. I'm going to show you how good I can be under McCarthy with this new group of wide receivers that we got. Um, and uh, I think that's what Dak does. But we also have Lamar Jackson and Deshaun Watson. They're soon going to be coming up for contract renewals, do you think? Uh, Joe, this plays a role in their contract negotiations at all. Uh, which one? Sorry, did you, who did you say? Uh, I said uh, Lamar Jackson and Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson. That's what I thought. Yeah. That's what I thought. You know, um, Lamar, I, yeah, I don't know. Uh, Deshaun, uh, given that uh, Bill O'Brien is also the GM of the Texans, I um, – yeah. Doesn't look too good for Deshaun Watson if he wants to stay in Houston. But, I you know, he's at it. Bill O'Brien is getting in the way of Bill O'Brien, the coach. Bill O'Brien is a hack. Yeah. Uh, Lamar Jackson, though the Ravens, I can see, easily see the Ravens offering Lamar Jackson some good money. You know, Deshaun Watson could, could be offered a nice contract it, elsewhere. I don't think he'll be offered in Houston. Uh, I think they'd rather trade him and get value out of it than pay him, pay it, yeah. like give him a payday, even like half of what well, uh, Mahomes got. I tend to agree with you on uh, Deshaun Watson, uh, strictly because we <coughs> saw what happened with DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, he started belly aching about a new contract and – all of a sudden, he was shipped out uh, to Arizona. You know, and he's and, the best wide receiver in the game. Like, they yeah. did that to him. Like, what are they going to do to Sean Watson? <laughs> and he was a good guy in, in on the team in the clubhouse. Play his teammates loved him. Uh, he was a big reason for Deshaun Watson's success so far. Uh, and all of a sudden, he's like, "I want to get paid." like I should be getting paid. I want to be among the elite wide receivers in the league. And Bill O'Brien shipped him to Arizona. Uh, you know, I would imagine that Deshaun Watson, when his contract comes up, it's going to be saying something similar to what DeAndre Hopkins said. Like, I want to – like, he's not going to get 
um, you know, he, he's not going to get the money that Pat Mahomes made, but probably in that ballpark, I would say. He's not going to be too far off, but he's not going to get the contract that uh, Patty Mahomes got, but he's going to get good money. And I think once he starts saying that and his agent comes out and says, hey, you need to pay this guy. He's among the elite quarterbacks in the NFL. I think Bill O'Brien, like you said, I think Bill O'Brien, the GM, will again go against Bill O'Brien, the head coach, if he's still there and ship him out to another team. Or allow you know, or allow him to hit the free agent mar- hit the free agent market, or franchise <clears throat> tag him for whatever that's worth at the time. You know, I, I think the Bill O'Brien, the GM, will do that to Bill O'Brien, the head coach. You know, and uh, and I think uh, Deshaun Watson will end up elsewhere. But just the opposite, I think, with Lamar Jackson on the Ravens. Uh, like you said, I think the Ravens will go out and will sign Lamar to a long-term extension when his contract comes up. Again, I, I you know I think uh, somewhat Pat Mahomes' contract does set you know the high watermark, and they'll fall in somewhat underneath that. But I do think the Ravens will use that as somewhat of a benchmark. Like, okay, you know this is how we need to configure our contract for Lamar Jackson. But I do think the Ravens will event, will use that as like a high water mark and then come in somewhat underneath that, but give Lamar a really good contract, you know. So I do think it will impact the contracts going forward. That, you know, I, I do think it will. Um, we also had uh, Cowboys nose tackle – Dontari Pope, call out owner Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones has been silent over this Black Lives Matter movement. Hasn't, and Jerry Jones loves to chatter, loves to talk, loves to be in front of a microphone. But oddly enough, um, he's remaining quiet on this, um, you know, over racism and the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, do you guys think it's important for Jerry Jones to issue some statement to go in front of the microphones and enunciate how he feels during this? Because no doubt about it, he's going to have players uh, kneeling down during the national anthem. I, I think that's definitely going to happen on his team, whether he likes it or not. So do you think it's important for Jerry Jones to come out and uh, issue some form or statement, Joe? Um. I see. I've never been the type of guy. Just just because you're silent doesn't mean you support the movement, or doesn't mean you don't support the yeah. movement. Yeah. Uh, if players are calling for, if enough players say something about it, then then maybe he, maybe Jerry Jones says something. But I don't think he's obligated to say anything. You know, the man obviously can believe what he wants. And I'm not saying what he believes, but he does just because he hasn't said anything doesn't mean that he's like on the wrong side of things here. Um, but you know, most organizations have made some kind of statement. I so I guess Don Terry Poe's like, wait, why haven't? Why doesn't the team I play for said anything? Um, you know, it's. Personally, I don't think I don't think he he's obligated to make a statement, but 
you know, I think maybe in terms of in terms of PR status, I think it might be in the best interest to make one. Yep. What do you think, Mike? Should he come out with a statement or should he remain kind of status quo and kind of out of the limelight on this one? I think he should come out with a statement. Try to clear the air, try to get into the public eye, not remain silent. Because in a situation like this, if you remain silent, you'll alienate your fan base and you'll put even more pressure on yourself to perform better in a coming season. Exactly. I think he probably should come out with, and the Cowboys should issue some sort of statement on it. Um, other teams have, other teams have taken a stance. And, um, I, you know, for a guy who loves a microphone, you know he's going to be asked about it when he does finally go in front of a microphone so and in front of a TV camera. So I think he should issue some form or some statement from the Dallas Cowboys as to where they stand, right, wrong, or otherwise, and explain uh, how they're feeling about, about it. Um, finally, to uh, wrap up our NFL statement, uh, my brother Jeff loves the 49ers, big 49er fan. Well, their running back, Raheem Mostart, his agent has issued a trade demand uh, of the 49ers saying Raheem wants a renegotiated contract. If you're not going to renegotiate it, if you're not going to bring him up to a certain point, we want to be traded. We are asking the 49ers to trade us. Uh, Raheem Mostart just came, really started blooming last season uh, when given a chance by the 49ers. Um, a lot of people think it was due to the offensive scheme he was in because the 49ers do have a very good head coach in place. Uh, and maybe that led to the blossoming of Raheem Mostart. Um, you know, his uh, Tesla sports agent uh, came out and said, you know, we want to trade off of the 49ers. His request was simply to bring Mostart in line with the highest paid running backs on the team. Uh, Tevin Coleman makes $4.55 million in 2020. Uh, that's where Mostart would like to be in that range. He has two years left on his deal, so the 49ers do not necessarily have to trade him. Uh, he has no leverage, obviously, with two years left on the deal that he just signed with the 49ers. Uh, the 49ers have already traded running back Matt Breeder to Miami, so... Uh, Mossart was going to be getting touches and carries uh, this upcoming season. Um, they uh, have other running backs on the roster. Is Tevin Coleman, as I said, uh, Jeff Wilson, and Jarek McKinnon. So, you know, Mossart was probably going to be getting the bulk of the carries, bulk of the touches, at least at the beginning of this year season. So, um, Joe, what did you think about this trade demand? I mean, Mossart was cut by – a bunch of teams, like seven or eight teams, one of which was the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, so what did you think about this, Joe, this uh, trade demand by Mustard's agent? Um, you know, I guess it's understandable considering towards the second half of the year and during the Super Bowl especially, yeah. uh, Moster was the um, was the lead back, uh, even yeah. though there was a three-headed monster. They shipped out Matt Burita, who towards the end, got the least amount of carries out of the three. 
Now you bring back, you mentioned you, you've just Jeff Wilson, who had a few flashes of brilliance yep. last year. Jarek McKinnon was out all year. Yep. We've seen what he can do on the Vikings. You know, so right now they got a crowded backfield, but I think it would be in their best interest to – I don't think they should trade him, you know, given that he wants to be paid around what Kevin Coleman's making, which is not that much, even for a running back. Um, you know, I say why not because him and Coleman are going to be getting the majority of the carries, in my opinion. McKinnon, um, he's coming off an ACL tear, you know. Maybe he'll try to eat they, – they probably – and try to ease him into the season. And Jeff Wilson's probably going to be a special teamer, if anything. He'll be brought in in certain situations. Um, yeah. But, you know, what, you know, I think most are, uh, you know, why not? Um, why my, not? If, yeah. I don't know how much of an ink pay increase it's going to be, but it's not gonna, it doesn't look like it would be that much considering Coleman's making four and a half million. I would probably consider it. I know, um, you know, they're asking for a bit more money, but I also look at it at the other end of it. What team right now in the NFL would give the 49ers significant capital to acquire Mostart and also on the back end of that sign Mostart to a ex contract extension when he has two years left on his current deal. So you're, you know, you're doing it on both ends. You're giving the 49ers something that, you know, some kind of capital, whether it's picks in a player or a player or just picks or what have you. So you're giving the 49ers capital. And then once you get Mostard into the building, now you've acquired his rights. Now you're having to go to negotiate with Mostard and his agent on a new deal. You know, teams have their running backs already in place. We haven't gotten to training camp yet, so they haven't had OTAs like they normally have, um, any, any practices like they normally have. So they haven't been able to evaluate what they have at the running back position unless they're returning players from last season. So I don't know what team is going to give the 49ers any kind of capital to get Mostard onto the team, as well as he may have been doing at the end of the last season. I just don't see it. I think teams want to see what they have in hand before they would trade uh, anything with the 49ers for Mostard, who, by the way, like I said, a lot of teams, are, he's already been on their team. They already know who he is. You know, he may not have – and that's the thing. Was it due to Kyle Hans' play calling in his offensive system? Because Kyle Shanahan's one of the better head coaches in the NFL. So, you know, you have a guy who's been cut by seven or eight teams already. And was it due to Kyle Shanahan that he actually blossomed last year? Or was it the fact that, okay, maybe he just came into his own and now he's matured and uh, now he's becoming the player that, you know, he thought he could be years ago. You know, who knows? But I, I just don't see any team giving up that much to get Raheem Mostard as good as he may be. I just don't see it. You know, what do you think, Mike? Am I right or wrong? You are definitely right on this, Jay. I don't see teams giving up much to get Raheem Mostard. Yep. I don't, it's I just, just not worth it. Guess I just, what you'd be giving up. You'd be giving up 
a fringe player, you'd be giving up a first or a second round draft pick. It's not okay. worth it. I mean, I'm not saying he would he would fetch a first or second rounder, but you're probably talking a mid round pick. You're probably talking maybe a fourth or fifth or something like that. Uh, who knows? Maybe a later round pick. Um, you know, and a player or a player who you may like, you may want to see a player you may ha have envisioned to be on your practice squad this year. Uh, I, I just, you know, until teams get into training camp, I just don't see it. And from Mostar's standpoint, I mean, you're with a team that got to the Super Bowl last year. Yeah, you're with a good play caller. You're going to get touches this year. I mean, for me, I would say, okay, we've done it now for a full season and a, ha and a quarter or a half or whatever. He's putting up the new stats. I would wait until after this season uh, to push the 49ers for a new contract rather than just maybe, um, you know, a last month and the playoffs last year. I would wait until after this season goes, and then I would push the 49ers for a new contract or go in front of them when teams have more of a – uh, ability to evaluate where he is. But for me, I, I'm or I could go to, um, you know, one of the worst teams. I could get traded to one of the worst. I could go from a team that may compete once again for the Super Bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo and, 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 and a good head coach and a good play caller and a good team around me. I could compete for the Super Bowl again, and I want to get traded off that team for money. I, you know, I think this is a bad call by Mostard and his agent. I, I, I just don't like it at all. I, I think it's a bad deal. And I know he wants more money. I know he thinks he's underpaid. But I think this is a bad call by Mostard. I, you know, I, I would say wait until at least after this season to show everybody exactly how good you are. And then maybe put, when you only have one more year left on your deal, then maybe push for a new contract. But, uh, you know, that's just my opinion on it. You have any thoughts, Jeff? No. Nope. All right. <laughs> well, in that, case, in that case, I will go to Mike. Mike, uh, what's been going on in NASCAR this week? What do we got coming up? Well, the Cup Series is at Kentucky Speedway on Sunday afternoon. Kevin Harvick is on pole, and I'm looking for him to take control at Kentucky. I'm looking for him to win in the bluegrass. And last night in the Xfinity race, first Xfinity race there, Justin Allgaier got involved in a last lap wreck, was sent to the hospital for observation. He has been cleared to race tonight. Cool. In the Xfinity race. And no word yet on who is subbing for Jimmy Johnson. I know he's been cleared to race, but I'm not sure if he's going to be in the Quaker State 400 on Sunday. So he could, so he could definitely be out then. Potentially out. Okay. What would you say would be the odds of him racing or being out? Well, how would you uh, put those odds? 50-50 odds right now. Gotcha. So it is. So they are significant odds. Uh, if it's 50-50, that he may not be racing. I will throw this out there. Any final words, guys, before we wrap up? Anything we didn't cover? Anything we forgot to cover? Anything uh, you want to mention? And we get silence. All right. So, <laughs> so we want to thank you for tuning in this week. We appreciate you guys 
subscribing to our YouTube channel. So if you're new, hit the subscribe button so you uh, get all our great content. Again, like, follow, and share on our social media sites, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Hit us up on our website, sportskilletradio.com, so you get all the great content there. You get stuff from Mike. You get stuff from Joe. You get our Twitter feed up there. Great content. You can also download our app as well, so you get the show wherever you may be. So thank you for joining us. We hope everybody is staying dry this week as it's raining here in Jersey and Spurs. Uh, it's not raining now, but it was raining earlier today on Friday. It's supposed to be a wet weekend here. So we mm -hmm. hope everybody is staying dry. Uh, we hope that you're staying happy, healthy, and safe, you and your family and friends. And uh, we will catch you next Friday here on YouTube. Thank you so much. Have a great weekend, everybody. And remember, hit the subscribe button so you get all our great content. What's on the menu at Sports Skilly? Local and national sports talk that's always fresh in season and FDA approved. If it's hot, you'll find it cooking Sunday mornings, 11 a.m. on 920 a.m.